The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please turn in your copies of God's Word to the Gospel of Luke, a familiar text at this time of year. Uh, as we come to Holy Week and the initial uh, joy of anticipating Holy Week through the, uh, through the Scriptures, affirming that entrance of Christ into Jerusalem, this Palm Sunday. Would you look with me in Luke chapter uh, 19? And I'm going to pick up reading at verse 28, verses 28 through 40. This is God's word. It's the truth. Now look with me, if you would, in Luke 19 and verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. So he's on the other side of the Mount of Olives, going up the Mount of Olives. Then he'll descend down to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it, and he rode along. They spread their cloaks on the ground, and as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The grass withers, the flower fades, God's word abides forever. By his grace and his mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Well, there is a, um, let me just confess to you, there's a, a pastoral confession there's a little bit of a challenge, uh, as much as I love Holy Week, I do. There's a little bit of a challenge when you come to it, particularly when you've been in ministry a, a little bit over 40 years, uh, that when you, um, when you come to this text, guess what? You have preached this text before. Uh, guess what? You have done Palm Sunday before. So repeated events have great value. I love the cycle. I love the cycles of 
of uh, Christianity. I love six days labor, one day rest to worship. I love to know that uh, there are certain hymns that are going to be sung on Palm Sunday, certain hymns that are going to be going to be sung on Easter Sunday at Advent season. I, I love all of those rhythms and regularities of the Christian life. And I think that does something for people. Not only is spontaneity and novel in, uh, exciting, but also regularity and anticipation in the Christian life. And uh, so um, I think that uh, so I think that's great. But it's a little bit of a challenge for a pastor. How do you come to it freshly? And uh, so I've asked the Lord to give me that. And I think I've got something that I want to share with you today that maybe you may or may not have seen. Or if you have seen, you maybe haven't seen how much it's emphasized in this text on Palm Sunday as Palm Sunday is accounted uh, in the scriptures in the four gospel writers. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we'll get there. But before I get there, I want to thank the Lord. It's obvious that um, we have a small assembly today because not of space limitations. That's obvious. But um, but because of our uh, shelter in place and uh, we are we are following our governor's directions with no more than 10. And I'm so grateful for those who are here to help us lead worship and so that we can stream it to you. Now, as I've said, we're virtually streaming worship done here, but and you can enter in and taste of it, but it's really not worship. Worship isn't virtual. Worship is actual, where you're speaking to one another and encouraging one another. But this is our present remedy, and I thank the Lord for the technology that allows us to do that. And by the way, I thank our leadership who years ago said, let's invest in this technology at that time for proclamation. No, little did we know it would be important uh, for uh, for these matters at this time. But praise the Lord and thankful for those who are gifted and competent that are accomplishing this for you. Believe me, if if it was up to me, y'all at best would get an iPhone picture uh, uh, today. But uh, but now we're able to do this appropriately and have a full worship service with all the biblical elements of worship and gathered worship continues on the Lord's Day at Briarwood. And we're grateful that we can do that next Send it to our church family that can't be here. And friends, this is a great outreach opportunity as well. Now, having said that, let me get to this matter of Palm Sunday. It's interesting. This, this account is given to us in all four of the Gospels. Now, let me tell you why that's extremely interesting. It's extremely interesting because in one of the accounts, and by the way, let me give you this little picture. Matthew, Mark, and Luke their perspective, they're giving you this account of what happened on Palm Sunday. Now, here's, what, here's what's occurred up to this point. Jesus has left Galilee, and we read from the Gospel of Luke. That's recorded in Luke 9. And then from Luke 9 all the way up to this text, uh, Jesus has been traveling and recording what he taught and the miracles and the various things that happened in what is known as the Perea ministry down the River Jordan, down the Jericho, and now up the hills of Ascents. That's where they he would have been surrounded by people coming up to Jerusalem to worship for the feast days. And they would have been singing the, the hymns of the Psalms of Ascent, just like we always have a hymn of Ascent arising into the presence of God on a worship service. They would have been doing the same thing as they're coming to the temple, praising God uh, as they mount the hills coming to Mount Zion. 
And Jesus would have been with him. But when he got to Bethany, very special place for Jesus, Bethany, very special place. Uh, and it's special for a couple of reasons, one of which, of course, is because a family was there. We don't really know how this developed, but he really developed an important and personal and robust relationship of affection with a family made up of two sisters and a brother. And that was, of course, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And of course, and then a second reason is, is uh, at during his er, earthly ministry, his three years of public ministry, he had been at Bethany by the Jordan. That's another Bethany that's over on the Jordan River <clears throat> and had been called to this Bethany when Lazarus had died and he raised him from the dead. And and the reverberations of that are still going throughout the land. Uh, people were very in fact, other accounts tell us that people were very curious to come and meet this Lazarus. And then when Jesus. Jesus showed up. They're curious about that as well. So he comes and he keeps Sabbath. This will be the next to last Sabbath Jesus keeps. He keeps the old covenant Sabbath on the seventh day. He keeps it. And then the next one he keeps is he will rest in the grave on the Sabbath, having died for our sins on the cross the day before what is known as Good Friday, not good because of the the aspect of the crucifixion, but because of the blessings of grace that come from Jesus' atoning death. So here is Jesus now at Bethany. He has been anointed and his feet had been anointed. He has been he has rested. And now the first day of the week, he arises on what will soon be known as the Lord's Day, because it'll be commemorate the resurrection of Christ. But on this on this Sunday, he arises to go to Jerusalem. Now, it seems as if, the, by the way, Beth Pages or Beth Phages is only found, it means house of figs is what it means. It's only found here uh, in the scriptures and um, it's not found at all in the, in the Old Testament. It is found in extra biblical literature, so we know it's a historical place. Not quite sure of its location, but it seems as if Bethany is on the side that is the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. And then you go across the Mount of Olives, down into the Kidron Brook, and then up to Jerusalem on Mount Zion. And it seems as if Bethphage is a village that you get to right before you get to the summit of the Mount of Olives. And it's there, as they're going into that village, that Jesus says to two of his disciples, unnamed, we don't know who they are. Uh, many suspect Peter and John, but we don't know for sure. And he sends them into the village. And they go into the village, and he sends them with a very specific and intentional mission. You're going to find a donkey. If you look at all four of the gospel accounts, he finds that they find a donkey and a colt and the colt has never been ridden at all. In other words, it is unbroken. And this colt, this donkey and colt are to be brought. The other text in Matthew tells us that both of them are brought. Both of them have cloaks put upon them. And both of them are used as Jesus will ride upon the colt, but the donkey will still be there. People have asked me, why would the scriptures indicate? Because I think it happened. And why would Jesus do that? Well, if it's the colt has not been ridden, there's a good possibility the colt's not completely weaned from its uh, mother yet. And so that's and uh, and that probably would be 
uh, necessary. And by the way, it wouldn't be. I mean, there's some manliness of Jesus here. Uh, Jesus is riding a colt, right? He's riding a colt. And uh, that's never been ridden. That means it's wild. That means it's got to be broken. So I would love to have seen that first moment when Jesus got on the colt and uh, and how he uh, tamed it so rapidly. And the mother being nearby probably was a help as well. So then um, but then he says, now, when you get there and they ask the question, what are you doing? That would be normal if there's a colt and a donkey and you come and untie and start walking off with it. The owner is going to say, what are you doing? And so he said, when you when they tell them that, that you tell them this, the Lord they would be well aware that Jesus is in the area. Look at the crowds. The Lord has need of it. And that's exactly what happened. The Lord has need of it. And what happened? They ended up with the colt and the donkey. Nothing is recorded that the owner said. Simply, freely, he gave it. And then they brought it to Jesus who said he had need of it. Now, why would he have need of it? <laughs> why would he have need of that cult? Well, folks, there's two reasons. One is because what the cult of a donkey says. And number two, because the scripture had said this is the way the Messiah would enter. And so he is declared king by coming on this donkey. We know that the Messiah was going to be a king. Prophet? Yes. Priest? Yes. So he is a prophet who is greater than Moses. He is a priest who is greater than Aaron by the order of Melchizedek. And he is a king who is greater than David. David comes from the tribe of Judah. What was the blessing upon Judah? The scepter, the kingship shall not depart from you. And it comes through the family of David. And David will be made king, but David is instructed he will have a son who is greater than him. And that son that comes from his line through Mary and through Joseph is Jesus. And now Jesus, who has been, who, who has been prophesied in the Old Testament, now comes as king. And one of the things that is stated about this king is what we read in our confession from Zechariah chapter 9. Oh, daughter of Zion. That's, let me give you New Testament language. Oh, church. God's covenant people. Oh, covenant people of God. God's covenant people. Your king is coming on a colt, a donkey, humble. When a king showed up to a city, if he was upon the, the white war horse, there was going to be a battle. If he came on a donkey... He was coming to make peace. Christ is coming not to make peace with Satan and sin and the world, but to make peace for his people whom he is saving out of the world. And he will not lose one of them. He is coming to the citadel 
of God's covenant people, the daughter of Zion. And he is coming to die for our sins. Our king is coming to redeem us. The scripture constantly tells us that, doesn't it? Look at all the prophecies of a king that's to come. A king that is to redeem his people. Look at the birth announcements of Jesus. Born for you is a king, a savior, a lord in Bethlehem today. Look at the acclamations of the people. And now he arrives as king, mounted upon the donkey as the Messiah king was to be when he came into the city. And why does he say, why the donkey? It fulfills scripture and it tells us he's coming to redeem and make peace for his people through his atoning death that will be upon the cross. It's interesting. Why does he get this donkey? Let me give you another interest factor. Go find a time for me in the Bible when Jesus is doing ministry as recorded in the Gospels. When he's not walking. He always walks. So why a donkey now? Why a donkey? Now. I mean, has he finally, after three years, got tired and I'm not going to walk anymore? I need a donkey? Is it because he, he is bowing to the pressure to be a king like the Gentiles? Political, military, powerful king? Or is it exactly what the scripture said? Your king comes humbled. This is another step, even in his coronation venue, even in his coronation journey into Jerusalem. The king arriving and coming comes in humility. And to a cross he'll go in humility. To a grave he'll go in humility. Then he's raised. Then exalted on high. And then the king comes again. This time on that white horse. This time to bring to consummation his victory. This time in judgment. But now he comes not in judgment. Now he comes to save his people from their judgment. So you got Christ, you got the cult, and you got this crowd. This crowd, where, how's this crowd get together? Well, it's a big crowd. It's a big crowd. It's got four elements to it. Number one, you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke who bring us in the journey from Bethany to Jerusalem. And then you got John. John's picture of this account is from Jerusalem to uh, back out to meet Jesus. John seems to be giving us the picture of those coming out from Jerusalem. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are giving us the picture of those coming. And when you put the, 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 uh, the four together, what you find out is you got you got Jesus and his disciples, not just his 12, but those who were following him, a significant group of people. So you got Jesus and his disciples that have been at Bethany on the way to Jerusalem. And then you've got 
all of the curiosity people who were coming to God. Bible says they came out to see Lazarus. I mean, Lazarus is pretty much a rock star right now. And they come out to see Lazarus and Jesus who raised Lazarus. Then you got a third group, and that's the people that had come to Jerusalem from the feast who come out to meet them. So you've got Jesus' disciples and the curiosity seekers who are coming from Bethany. And then you've got the people that are coming out from Jerusalem. And there's a fourth group. And it's the Pharisees. And then they hear the worship. The worship and praise of God that takes place. As they sing the Psalms of the Messiah. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who brings peace and glory in the heavens. In the highest. This one who brings the peace of heaven. Now peace on earth. Isn't it interesting? How Luke is juxtaposing this at the beginning. He's the one that gives us the announcement to the shepherds that this one is coming to bring peace on earth from the heavens. And now he is declaring the one on earth is going to make peace for his people in the heavens. He's going to establish a relationship between his people and the Lord of glory in the heavens. And so here it's all coming together and here they are um, and here the crowds are singing praise to the Lord. Praises of adoration. Blessed is he. Praises of affirmation. This is the Lord, the King, who the Son of God, who has come to save us from our sins. There is adoration. There is affirmation. And there's acclamation. And the acclamation rises up so loudly. The acclamation rises up so joyfully that the Pharisees just can't stand this acclamation, affirmation, and adoration any longer. And they say... Teacher, do you hear what they're saying? They're calling you the Son of God. They're calling you the Messiah King. Tell them to be silent. Then he made made an interesting statement. If they were silent, then the very stones would cry out. All creation sings glory to the King of Kings. Yet we, made in the image of God, can raise our voices in acclamation, affirmation, and adoration, and the joy of the Lord. Now, let me confess to you, not today. This is one of those days. I always tell young preachers, I always tell them, when you look at the congregation, don't look at the crowd. Look at faces. These are people. It's not just a crowd, it's people. And um, in today's present distress, that's not hard. There's just ten of you. And uh, so I can pretty well see you. I wish I could see all the people that are at home. (laughs) In various attire, I've heard all kinds of stories. But what I really want to see is your face. Does the world see the joy of the Lord and will they hear it? I mean, why would somebody who can't sing any better than me sing as loud as I do? I can't help it. I wished I could do it better, but I will do it because I'm not going to let any stone take my place. 
I refuse to be silent. I refuse to mumble. And I refuse to be downcast. The king has come to save his people. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, let me give you a takeaway and then uh, just a couple of thoughts that go with me. This text is so rich. And even though I don't know how many times I've preached it, I just got so excited about it. Let me give you this. Remember, my takeaways are not bumper stickers uh, for you. You've got to you, you can get it. You can download it. But I just wanted to wrap it up with this. Christ. Now, watch this intentionally and unmistakably declares that he is the son of God and the Messiah King who has come in the fulfillment of all of the scripture to save his people from their sin to the glory of the Father. Would you go back to that word unmistakably and the word intentionally? Do you know what John says about this event? Here's what John says. It's interesting that this event would be in all four of the gospel writers because according to John, he says when it happened, we didn't understand it. Now, if you go read the account in John, not right now, but if you go read the account in John, he says this. We did not understand these things, but no period. Then he says this. We did not understand these things until after he had gone to glory. Speaking of the ascension. Somehow, after the ascension, it clicked. And here's what it said, that he did these things to fulfill the scripture. Pastor, why did Jesus, was he tired of walking and needed a donkey? Did he just want to, you know, prop up the moment? No, no. The Bible tells you very clearly he did it to fulfill the scriptures. Now, listen. I want to ask you to do something the rest of this Holy Week. As you go through all of the readings of what happened on this week, all of the readings throughout the week, I want you to notice how many times it said Jesus did this to fulfill the scripture. Jesus said, I thirst, and they gave him wine. And then it says it wasn't for him to have wine. It was to fulfill the scriptures. Now, did he get wine, uh, the sour wine? Yes. Uh, and, but, but the point that they're saying is this, is that when Jesus, the point that we're getting in the scriptures is that Jesus intentionally is fulfilling his word step by step by step. Now, if the king coming to Jerusalem has intentionally fulfilled his word down to a unridden colt that he would ride in with the kingly palms spread in front and the cloaks over the over the colt so that he did not touch this this uh, this colt if he intentionally did that do you hear him say the king is coming again. The king who intentionally fulfilled the scriptures coming into Jerusalem to save his people from their sins is the king who says, I'm coming again and bringing a new Jerusalem for my people. 
in a new heavens and a new earth. And if he unmistakably and intentionally in his sovereign power fulfilled every prophecy down to a cult, then how much more can we be assured that the trumpet will blow, the voice of the archangel will be heard, and he shall descend again, that we may ascend into a new heavens and a new earth, but only if this king is your savior. Only if you have surrendered to him. Here is a king unintentionally and unmistakably declaring his reign in humility to save us from our sin. His rule and reign in humility to save us from our sins. Coming in on the donkey. Yet look at what this king calls for. Look at in the text. Look at the immediate, sacrificial, unquestioning stewardship. The Lord has need of a donkey. Take mine. No questions asked. Your, hey. Uh, whoever the two disciples were, you don't need to come up with a, a sermon to make me feel bad if I don't give it. Give my donkey. All you got to do is tell me this. The Lord calls for it. He's got it. You see the unquestioning stewardship? Do you see the immediate discipleship? Jesus says to two disciples, go do this. What do they do? They go do it. They obey. And then you've got this owner of a donkey. What does he do? He practices stewardship as he is discipleship as he obeys. You see all of these people, his disciples joining in and praising him and worshiping him as king of kings and lord of lords. Lift up your gates, O Jerusalem. Lift them up. Let this king of glory come in to do his work of grace for us. You see discipleship. You see stewardship. You see insistent worship. Folks, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm going to do my best not to get uh, carried away too far on this. But let, my brothers and sisters, it's absolutely crucial we understand that gathered worship, as you see it here on the road into Jerusalem, the disciples gathering. Now, there's a mixed group. There's no doubt that not, not everybody here is saved. But praise the Lord, whenever you get unsaved people to come in to see what worship's all about. But you see adoration, acclamation, and affirmation with the whole heart. And they are not going to be silent. There's going to be no need to supply a horse. I mean, there's no need to supply a, a stone to praise this one who comes this time not on the horse of judgment, but on the donkey of humility. You know, what's really interesting is that in this text, it says that Jesus is riding in. On a donkey. And here's what one of the writers of the gospel says. A beast of burden. Here, a beast of burden through stewardship and discipleship is requisitioned to bear the king of glory. 
into Jerusalem so that he can ultimately, as our king, go to the cross to save us. Here is a beast of burden carrying the king who will go to the cross to bear our burdens. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. It's there. Our burdens are rolled away. Our King bears our burden. This beast of burden brought the King who will be our Savior, taking our burdens away. Have yours been taken away? Have you surrendered to this Savior? Have you given your life to this King who died for you that you might sing unto Him who has saved you from all your sins? Now this King is coming again. On that day, there will be the books of judgment and the book of life. If you're in the books of judgment, that King will send all away to eternal condemnation for all of their sins. But over here is the book of life. And you can be there if you put your trust in him, that same king who came to go to that cross. A donkey brought him to Jerusalem, but he will mount the cross for you, that the burdens of your sin can be rolled away. This day, I invite you to Him. Let's pray. Let's just take a few moments in silent prayer, if you would. What a glorious King we have. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's the king who came to the royal city, the greatest king to ever enter it. Yet, upon the colt, a donkey, to fulfill scripture. And to humble himself to the point of death, even death on the cross for sinners like you, like me. Now let me ask you, have you come to your king? For his salvation. And out of love. Have you brought to your king. Unquestioned stewardship. Responsive discipleship.
not as a burden, but out of the joy of our heart to praise him with adoration, affirmation, and acclamation with our lips and our lives because he has saved us. Oh God, I thank you for that day in which another scripture is fulfilled. The Old Testament anticipated and predicted Christ. The Gospels reveal Christ. The Epistles explain Christ. Revelation anticipates the return of Christ. Now I pray, O oh God, by your Spirit, that any and all who hear my voice might know not about Christ, but know Christ as Lord, Savior, their redeeming King, so that with our lives we might crown Him. With many crowns, the Lamb who saved us upon the throne of glory and who will bring us to glory giving us the crown of his righteousness for all eternity. Ride and reign and rule forever, King Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.